0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Nick Fu. Uh, Nick is an artist and a big fan of Bloodborne. She's been um, She's behind some of the Lordran and Beyond comics that you're probably familiar with. I dropped a bunch of links in the show notes so you guys can go check out her art. Um, it was absolutely delightful being able to sit down and talk to her about why she likes Bloodborne and why Bloodborne was kind of the first time that she did quote-unquote fan art of a series. So, without further ado, enjoy the episode.
1: I got it kind of started when I, I watch a lot of let's plays and videos when I work. So, uh, a streamer I was watching decided to play a game called Dark Souls one day. And I was just like, well, uh, I've heard the name thrown around a lot, so why not? And uh, I was watching him play it, and it was very interesting. I was very, very interested in the world. And well, he automatically said at the front, he said, I'm not going to go into lore. He said, if you want to go into the lore, uh, look up Vati Vidya. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I said, okay, uh, I'll." well, I'm interested in this world because it seems... It's just it's. I've always kind of taken to more of the fantasy sort of uh, setting. So, uh, it's, I did go to this Vati Vidya, and he also has a very nice voice, <laughs> and um, he uh, and I learned about it. It was very um, interesting because I, I tried to create stories myself um, as an as an artist, and I liked how it was this world that was dying yet people were still trying to live in it. And I found that was very interesting. I've also heard uh, there's an artist Scott Benson, uh, he's done Night in the Woods. He um he talks about Dark Souls a lot. He's a very big Dark Souls fan. He's also mentioned it in his uh in his in his uh in just creating Night in the Woods, he kind of put a little uh, a little kind of like key to Dark Souls in there as a mm-hmm. mini game. And um <laughs> And I like the way he described it. He said that this, the soul series kind of is you're walking along the side of a lake and you decide to see how deep it goes. And I think it's a really, really great storytelling technique uh, because I'm uh, trying to look for ways to better storytelling myself. And uh, with dark souls, I just, i the more I looked into it, the more I thought it was really quite fascinating.
0: That's an interesting her- metaphor. They, uh, walking on the side of the lake and deciding to see how deep it goes because i mean uh, it's there are so many hidden depths and so many different kind of spokes of dark souls whether it's the mechanic side or the lore side or or, or you know getting into the minutiae of the game it's that's real that's a real interesting idea
1: well he he talks about games very well and um I like the way he in. Well, this is the first time I've encountered a game that kind of worked like that, that kind of played like that. Because uh, I heard everyone usually when you your Dark Souls, you're "Oh, it's hard. It's it's a hard game. It's not for it's not for casuals." And, and uh, so I was like, "So I was very interested. How is this? Uh, how is this very difficult? How is it hard?" And is it doesn't hold your hand. And I kind of liked that. Uh, It kind of, like I said, like you get to choose how deep you want to go. Like if you want to read the item descriptions, you could read the item descriptions and it will help you along with the story. But if you don't want to, you can totally just bypass that. And that was something with Bloodborne that I thought was really, really nice because it just, it shows you a lot of these hidden little stories that are kind of in there. And I think it's a shame if you pass those up. And, uh, let me see, but, um,
0: so when did you start playing the game? So it was after the the, the streamer uh, kind of pointed it out to you, and where and where did you play it at? Was this on PC or?
1: I actually have never touched a Dark Souls game, and this is a shame because I <laughs> very much want to. Bloodborne was my first game because uh, I liked the concept and I liked the story and lore of Dark Souls. I was kind of scared to play it because I was like, I don't know, is this they, they're saying this is a very difficult game? So everyone was so I was in college and uh, I was it was my final year and it was uh, I was working on a thesis uh, thesis film for animation I'm an animator I do animation <laughs> and uh, and, uh, uh, and all of a sudden this everyone a lot of people in the class were kind of buzzing about something and I said and they, you know hovering over a computer and I'm not sure what this is and they said from is releasing a new game and I was like what's from and they, were, and they said it's dark souls and I said I was like oh well, the dark souls people are making a new game so I looked at it and I was like this is very different than <laughs> <laughs> and and I said uh and, and I liked what I saw I, I liked uh it was very it was like this visceral kind of uh, dark gothic concept and I it's a very much that's the thing that resonates uh with me and I was I was like wow And I said this is this is really this, I, I I was like this is really different from their uh medieval kind of like fantasy setting that no, they did And it's got, they've got guns. (laughs) They've got (laughs) guns now. And and so, um, unfortunately, I, I, I would do back and do the game blind. I wish I wish I did it blind because I think it would have been so much better experience for me, but um, because I was in school at the time and I was a poor college student and I couldn't buy a PS4. You, you didn't uh, have four hundred and fifty
0: dollars for one video game.
1: <laughs> fortunately, not. It is the it's the 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 the, the console's one game, as they say. Mm-hmm. I agree, but um, but uh, uh, so I watched a walkthrough from Epic Name Bro. And when I was first, and I'm going to tell, it was funny because when I first finished the entire thing, I was actually upset. I was like, I didn't get the story at all. I was like, what? I was like, what is this? And I was like, why are they saying it's just a dream? And I guess that was because in in one of my animation classes, when they were talking about the story, first way you can end anything is by saying it's just a dream. Mm-hmm. He said, because it doesn't seem like it doesn't matter, like it, nothing, nothing that happened mattered. And um, so I was kind of just like, well, yeah, and I was very upset about the story. So then I went back and I read into the lore. watched I watched some videos for Vladi, of course, and the more I looked into it, the more I began to love it. And I was just and I was like, oh my gosh. And I love the way that they read in an interview with Miyazaki that they said that the way he came up with the concept is that he Bram Stoker's Dracula, but he couldn't quite understand all the English. So what he did is that he would read what he could understand together with his own kind of story in between. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, that kind of connects with how he tells stories in general because they kind of because they let you decide how deep things go. And I, and I was like, that's really, really cool. And funny because the first boss fight that I happened to um, really connect with was uh, Father Gascoigne's uh, boss fight because uh, I saw the cleric beast fight and I was like, oh, that's a really, really cool design. I love the design funny, because when I first saw Gascoine Squad boss fight, I kind of just said, oh, okay, this is cool. Um, It's a boss fight that has stages, and it doesn't, like, tell you explicitly, like, you know in a lot of video games, there's either some kind of hint or some kind of voice that says, you're supposed to do this. like
0: A, glowy, uh, a glowing red and, spot um, somewhere on the body of the boss. <laughs> hey, hey shoot <see laughs> <and>, this.
1: <laughs> and, uh, and even in, like, a game like Shadow of the Colossus, if you got stuck, eventually the god voice would kind of come down and say, like, thou art supposed to hit a shiny point and <laughs> and so uh so i was kind of interested because i was like there's no hints whatsoever it's kind of just you have to the, the, the game kind of sets you up and gives you rules and it expects you to follow through with that So i said that's i like that and i said that's really cool and then of course from an animation standpoint i love the way everything moved the animation in bloodborne is so satisfying there's something that's very very satisfying about it
0: the just and, the, um, like the animation of the the characters or like the like what specifically is it
1: that- thing everything, everything like like, like uh, just the way um your character moves and the impact of the weapons and it's like it's like uh like soon as like there was a point in uh where he oh, where he kind of does he opens his trick weapon to the where the, the axe transforms and it's just like a quick snapping motion and i was just like oh, i love that and it's very well animated. I kind of looked into it, actually. I wanted to see if it was motion capture because I know a lot of video games use motion capture and there's no way. It couldn't have been. It just it moves in a different way that motion capture just... And uh, it doesn't have that lag kind of to motion capture. I was like, they had to hand animate this. They had to go in and kind of do it. like you know, through, We'll through the 3D program. But um,
0: It's interesting but, uh, because um, uh, Dark Souls 1 <clears throat> was hand animated. And they actually went to motion capture for Dark Souls 2. Oh, really? I think a lot of people complained about it because... uh, I'm on record of complaining about it because it kind of makes the... It makes the weapons feel like they almost have no weight for some reason. Um, And the... The common theory is that because they, you know, they actually had people holding, you know, giant foam swords that probably didn't weigh all that much, so the animation kind of doesn't have the, the weight or the, the heft as the Dark Souls one or three or Bloodborne does. And I don't know how I did
1: notice that.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know how accurate that is. Like I, I know that they did motion capture for Dark Souls too, but I don't I don't actually know how accurate that is. But I knew that you know the hand animated stuff feels way better to me for, for whatever reason
1: it does have a it, it's just like they just put an extra it's an extra kind of oomph or extra kind of weight into it or like it's just it i agree like because i kind of noticed that in dark souls too as well it didn't move as well as i thought the first one did and um but uh but yeah and uh but i was saying that um i first uh, so i was so i saw Gascoigne's boss fight, boss fight and i said oh okay so this is a three-stage boss fight and it's very well animated that's cool that's cool eventually I learned that oh there's an item called a music box and if you use that it stuns him and I said and I said well why would that stun him and then I looked into it more and I just fell in love with because I'm a big lover of the tragic monster trope and <laughs> I was just like oh my gosh I love this I love this whole thing that it's uh these people that it's like this curse and these beasts and like uh, and I was just like this is so great. I love it a lot.
0: Was it, um, I mean, you mentioned that you kind of wish you, would, you were going through blind. Uh, Bloodborne and Dark Souls are both kind of known as quote-unquote difficult games. Did you have difficulty when you finally started playing it? Or did the kind of familiarity with the watching the LP, did that kind of help you ease you into it?
1: Playing with the LP helped a lot because I think I would have been very lost. Because it would have been the first time I've experienced a game like this where there wasn't really a lot of... Like, it doesn't really, not a lot of hand holding and not a lot of work. Like, it kind of has some sort of narrative direction to where you're going. I think that was something I really, I really didn't, I didn't want to miss any sort of experience because there was the, in the Forbidden Woods, in the level of the Forbidden Woods, there's a cave that's kind of in the back and it leads you up to a very cool secret. I would have totally missed that, I feel. And it was it's one of the coolest secrets in the game, <laughs> and at least for me, that is. And I would have felt so sad missing that. But then I also feel if I did it blind, coming back and finding it by myself would have been a totally different experience as well.
0: It's yeah. always tough because they, they do such a good job of hiding things. Like I found that shortcut that you're talking about with the, the mm-hmm. you know, back to Yosefka's clinic. And, you know, mind was co- totally blown when I realized where I was. Like, holy shit, how did I get here? Um, but then I, you know, completely missed Kanehurst on my first run. Like I had no idea that that was even, a oh, no. like, I just, i never, even somebody told me, they're like, you need to go run to the, to the lamppost or whatever in this area. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't see any of this stuff somehow. <laughs> so it's, it's always <laughs> tough trying to figure out like, do I want to, and I usually just try to do a blind playthrough and then come back and, you know, go, go look mm-hmm. online and figure out what I missed afterwards. But yeah, it's, it's really hard. Cause I, you know, Kanehurst is one of the best parts of the game and I would have totally missed that.
1: Okay, there's just a beautiful level of, um, I was, I like, um, <laughs> whenever I play with someone who hasn't played before, I always try to, I kind of push, I kind of give them a little push or kind of a little guidance just to, like, so I, I try to help them not to miss things, but I'm also kind of like, oh, I don't want to ruin it for them, but I'm also like, you have to get this, because this leads to one of the coolest levels in the game, <laughs> and, <laughs> but, um, uh, that's another thing that I, uh, I really liked about Bloodborne, about how, um, they talked about a lot of how in the beginning of the game, it was originally going to be uh, very different than how it was now. It was going to be something like with vampires versus werewolves. And in the end product, they kind of almost like Canehurst is almost like a side level. It's it's something that's kind of, and I think that's, I guess the Kanehursts are kind of the vampires in some sort of way. At least that's how I could have picked it up. And um, it's kind of just was pushed off to the side as a bit. But it's also like a treasure. It's kind of like a it's it's one of those treasures, the side treasures that you want to find. Uh, then there was a, then the then um, the Lovecraftian thing kind of came in, and I thought that was interesting because that's where it kind of took a turn for me, where I was like, whoa! <laughs> I was like, this is this is, I was like, there's aliens in the game. <laughs> I was like, there's aliens in this gothic world, and and uh, that was that's when it kind of got a little bit crazy, but. So decides to go kind of off the rails a bit. I kind of wish it did it a bit more, and I loved when they did that in the DLC. I thought that kind of helps that kind of um, need that fed that kind of need in the DLC when um, things like like Hunter's Nightmare. The DLC was gorgeous. I loved oh, yeah. the DLC, yeah. and the DLC was another thing that after I finished it, I said, "What is this?" <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "I don't understand." I, was like, I don't, I don't get it." And then <laughs> I was like, "And." So I did go back and I read into it and I said, this is amazing. And I said, this is, this is so, they, it's the way they don't do it in chronological order. It's done backwards. And, uh, how, when you, the one of the coolest parts of the DLC for me is when you finally get through Maria's clock tower and city under the water. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is so beautiful. Oh, this game is so perfect. <laughs> and, um, I kind of uh, feel
0: you on the um, almost wishing that it would go; it would lean harder into the weirdness because I think that there's. Oh yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Like it's, you're a video, it's a video game. Like you can do anything. So like, you know, unhinged mm-hmm. from reality The the further that you get into this plot and story, like I would, I've talked about it before. I'd really like to see them get real weird with their level design and just stuff that doesn't make sense. And, you know, the more insight that you have, all of a sudden, you know, your screen rotates 90 degrees and you you're you know, or something just weird and strange. Like I want to see them go all out on it and not even rein themselves in even a little bit. So
1: I do. I, I'd love to see that too. And I kind of, that's maybe that's why Bloodborne is my favorite. Because they kind of would have liberties with the surrealism, and uh, I'm very, I love, I'm very big in surrealism in my own work, and uh, it's it's a it's a favorite kind of a style of mine. Would yeah, you like that they kind of, yeah?
0: Go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh no,
1: sorry. I really like that they kind of that they decide to detach from reality a bit and because i because yeah it's a video game you can uh it's it's a fictional kind of content you can let and go off the rails you totally can and uh, not to kind of uh and i like it's kind of that's kind of a favorite thing that i see when it happens to video games like not to kind of but um when i have the best another example i can take this is in bioshock 2 towards the end uh it just totally goes off the rails there's a giant fetus floating in a tank and it's like, and it's and it's the whole bunch of crazy happens and i was just like yeah i'm with it i'll take this roller coaster ride with you this is great and like i just kind of uh i kind of like that sort of thing when games just decide to just be like oh, let's just go crazy
0: yeah let's, <laughs> let's just lean into this as much as possible like we're a video game we can do whatever we want to
1: it's a it's a it's a bold take that i like to see when it's when it's when that uh, when that path is taken, so I guess maybe that's why Bloodborne might be my favorite because uh, I, the, especially the the DLC was very um, gorgeous, and then um, I looked into I I also listened to uh, I say I listened to a lot of I listen to a lot of let's plays and podcasts for my work um, I listened to Bonfireside Chat as well, and uh, I really liked that they were talking about the level with um nightmare how it had all these connections to uh images of hell and images of like the punished afterlife like the river of there's a river of blood and how there are like people and how the corpses uh, there they said there's something about how in in a belief um, crows peck you when you try to escape what brings you to image images of co, uh, cositis which is the I think I'm pronouncing that right mm-hmm. uh, it's the uh the final circle of hell where you're frozen in the lake and you try to you're trying to reach out but you can't quite get out. You're stuck there forever. And then um they talked about uh how Lud in with Ludwig himself they mentioned how there was a horse faced demon in uh an afterlife that is basically there to torment you. <laughs> Yep. and i was like well that kind of fits and then they kind of brought it back to um lovecraftian how uh, there's a scurrying creature that basically is a mass of limbs and i said well that would kind of fit ludwig as well yep. uh, he's definitely a massive of limbs
0: i uh Let- ludwig very, is very one of nice. my favorite designs across in bloodborne like it's, it's oh yes it's his design is wonderful orphan of cause and then ludwig and then like I don't know cleric beast or Breedus or something like. I like all of the weird, crazy monster designs a, a whole lot.
1: I did like this. The design aspect in this game is is, is incredible too. Uh, I liked the way they approached um, how they did something different with Lovecraft rather than. Most when people think of Lovecraft, I think of you know Cthulhu and all that, and you know like he's just a big squid coming out of the sea. And <laughs> so, uh, so I kind of like that they did something different other than that. Um, they kind of took a different approach to it with uh, Ebritis and even the uh, the brain suckers, uh, which were uh, a horrible enemy. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, and then even with the werewolves, how um, I like how they kind of took the direction of. Um, Humany, they kind of left, they 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 left in a humany aspect to the werewolves, which I thought was really great. Like, they'd have, uh, uh, like, they'd still have human features to them rather than just, like, a complete wolf. And, like, they would go to a complete wolf eventually, but uh, I kind of just like that, like, how they took this, like, kind of, like, sickly. They looked sick, and I thought that was a really, really great touch, and, like, how they were gaunt, and their limbs were stretched, and... Was, I loved that design point. I thought it was really nice.
0: Something from software seems to excel at is uh, not making something as monstrous as possible just to be monstrous. Like they seem to have some they put they put thought into oh, these creatures so that you kind of see, like you mentioned, that humanity behind it. Like you know, this was something once, and now it is this monster, but you can still see pieces of, of that humanity behind it. And I think that's I think that makes you bond with the, the with the enemies in some way. <laughs> like it makes them almost more horrific because they're not Oh yeah. They weren't just like created out of a tube or anything. Like you're like, oh this could happen to anybody. Like I could be that little weird little blue brain sucker creature.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great that's a great uh that's a great concept too, uh that feeling some way to connect to your enemies. And I also thought it was interesting that I read that somewhere that um, Miyazaki the he doesn't see the life bar as a life bar. He sees it as a will to go on bar, and I thought that was a really interesting touch because it's again get like sympathizing with your enemy. And yeah, yeah it's, um, uh,
0: it's going to be interesting because they got Sekiro coming out, and they seem oh to, yes, yes, I saw, and they uh, like that seems to be the whole like that seems to be the core dynamic or design. <clears throat> Excuse me, that seems to be like the core combat um, is that. They, it's you don't a boss doesn't have a health bar like they almost have a stamina thing and you're kind of fighting back and forth of who has the will to win more than anything which oh, i find wow. really interesting like the combat in that game is going to be bonkers i think
1: i need to look into it more um because i i've kind of been behind of it on Sekiro um i think it's what called Sh- Sh- Sekiro Shakiro. Uh,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> i have shadows die twice <laughs> no, nope nobody's but, gonna um, get
0: mad at you so <laughs> if we're saying it right or wrong so don't worry about it <laughs> but
1: uh uh I really liked that even when I... So now uh, Bloodborne has affected even, like, when um, I try to go into designing things, like, uh, if it's that sort of body horror sort of thing, like, I'm always kind of like, like, where did this come from? Like, is did it used to be a person? If it used to be a person, can I make it look more like how it, it came out of a person? And it was actually... I was kind of disappointed with... Um, and the only thing I was disappointed in the DLC this just this brought this up with... um. Lawrence, um, this might just be me. Um, I thought Lawrence was... Um, I kind of didn't like how they reused the Cleric Beast asset. I get it was a time thing, probably most likely. I know Sony had deadlines on Bloodborne, and I heard that they started doing the DLC not long after the game came out. Uh, I kind of wanted to see that like each kind of person had a different sort of beast to them, that they would it would kind of reflect on their own nature or like their own kind of uh, standpoint. Cause like you had the car Amelia and like, uh, then there was the, like, you had gas going and you had even the, um, uh, the, the, the strange, um, what's his name? Uh, the, the, the beggar who was eating people.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah that dude is uh, great.
1: <laughs> kind of had their own beast design granted the, the, the um, the abhorrent beast was reused, but and I and I totally get that it's 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 an asset. Um, but um, I was I kind of felt that Lawrence was kind of being put on display for um, to the to kind of uh, test the fire effects for Dark Souls three. I'm wondering because yeah.
0: mm-hmm.
1: like okay, like a fire is an important thing in in Bloodborne, so it's purging beasts, but I have this kind of room where. It's almost like there's sparks flying everywhere. There's a lot of fire that was brought into the DLC, and it kind of made me think about. I was wondering if it was being tested for. Um, then when Dark Souls three came out, I kind of thought for Dark Souls three because uh, even like with Lady Maria, how like uh, she would she had a stage where the blood would kind of ignite into fire, and then if you look at some of the uh, Lords of Cinder from Dark Souls, how attack that comes after their their own blades or or swords or whatever, mm-hmm. and so at least that's what I was kind of wondering. I was wondering if it was kind of being a little bit of a test for uh, Dark Souls 3. Uh, because I just, uh, I, just like, I saw that Lawrence's, when you see Lawrence's skull in the church, uh, it's kind of different than a cleric beast's skull. I was wondering, I've heard arguments that maybe this is how he's represented in the dream as the first cleric beast on fire, so. And maybe he was possibly burned and... But um, that was the only thing I kind of felt I was a little bit disappointed with the, the DLC. Was that uh, I, was that uh, we had a kind of reused and the fight was kind of cleric beast that was a little bit um, bullshit. That, uh, <laughs> but, um,
0: that fight is so difficult too. Like the by the time you get to the third phase, um, like it's not impossible or anything, but especially once you start ramping up in like new game difficulty, that fight just gets oh, kind of ridiculous levels. Of oh gosh, shitty <laughs>
1: That's kind of like we had um. A while ago, and we she was trying to take down Lawrence, and I was like, Why is this? I was like, This is extremely difficult. Why is this so hard? She's like, Oh, I'm doing do game plus six, <laughs> <And I'm laughs> like, That explains it.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, that makes way more sense. That's funny. Um, uh, I'm curious, I know, because like, uh, I did a little poking around on your um mm-hmm. Twitter and on your Tumblr a little bit, and I know you've been writing um, kind of like comics and stuff based on Bloodborne. What, mm-hmm. like, how long does it take you from? Either experience in the game via an LP or, or or playing a game, like what, like kind of like, why do you decide like, oh hey, I'm gonna draw these characters or I'm gonna make my own little stories about those characters? Like how, what, what is that process like?
1: Oh, uh, well, it's kind of like if I decide to can. It's first of all, it's Bloodborne is the first thing that I really kind of got. I'm usually kind of trying to focus on building my own stories and my own work. I'm not usually like a very big. I'm not usually like a huge fan on on things. So when uh, being of a fan of Bloodborne was kind of something that was new for me, and I just really the characters resonated with a lot of tropes for me that I really really liked. Like I said, like just the tragic monster trope, and thing that uh, really just resonated with me. I'm a, I'm a big fan of of monsters and kind of like the dark kind of gothic thing. So. Um, well, one thing that I th- I said I that I liked about Miyazaki's stories is that he kind of lets you decide how far you can go. I kind of was like, Well, if you're leaving these gaps in these uh, these characters, who's to say that like someone can't fill them in? And like I'm not saying like you you own the you, you of course you don't own the character, but just sort of like kind of like helping to fill along their story a little bit because some of them are such great characters and they're such great designs and i kind of felt that i was a little bit sad that some of them weren't as well as they is not as well but used to their full potential but um because uh that's one thing another thing i heard that was a complaint about bloodborne is that the npc interactions and the npcs were than they were in most games in the other games and um that's and one thing is that Bloodborne is very dark uh, all the, the the From software games are very dark and I guess like for, for me personally um, I don't mind dark content to have at least some kind of relief or some kind of, um, and Bloodborne does sort of have that all the From games kind of have that as in the characters and they kind of have some sort of but there's something, maybe it's because maybe it's how they, like From knows what they're knows what they're doing they know um they know that there's some sort of when they make the game they know how to put some sort of like lightness or some sort of humor in it that's a good thing because uh like i said like dark contents of thumbs is could be a little bit too dark and i thought blowmore was almost a little bit too dark uh with the there was a the death of a little girl and like yeah and the kind of but um but there is some kind of way the characters that there's some kind of lightness or some kind of joking to them and maybe it's like how they laugh after every you know like laughing after a
0: <laughs> every sentence, yeah it's at the end
1: a good ten minutes, like they kind of know what the like, they, like, so they kind of know how to stabilize that well, and I kind of thought, well, that, well, maybe I can put like kind of a lighter spin on these characters, and uh I can at least in my own way, like kind of for me because I kind of like, well, they all die. <laughs> And everyone dies in Souls games and it's sad. And and I'm just kind of like, well, but then I hear that also that just like Miyazaki has different concepts because just from his games has different concepts with death and stuff like that. So, but either way, so uh, I just just wanted to kind of the characters justice in my own way Mm -hmm. uh, because I loved them so much and I kind of felt sad to see them that there wasn't a lot of content and there wasn't a lot of and they all kind of died at the end <laughs> and, and but uh that's 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 kind of why i guess
0: yeah it's it's interesting because um i've had a lot of uh artists on i say a lot i've had some artists on the show that um he just saw the aesthetic of bloodborne and like immediately started drawing fan art about it and then like the hmm. more they got into it the more they got into the characters because you know the stories are can be very tragic like if you look at someone like father Gascoigne's story which if you don't dig into that at all it's just oh hey this is a boss fight like i gotta kill this guy to get to the next part of the game but if you look into yeah. it with it at all you were like oh wow this dude is a family man and this he was fighting he became what he was trying to kill and like there's all of this like just emotions around this with his daughters and everything that it's it's super super sad
1: um monsters must make sure he does not become a monster himself
0: it, exactly right yeah and it's like that 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 kind of character work is really interesting because the characters aren't like they don't have you know eighteen thousand lines of dialogue or anything. Like most, they may say like a couple of paragraphs worth of stuff, and you still can get all of this other, all of these emotional feedback from them. And I think that kind of works with uh, a lot of. I think that works for a lot of people. Like they start bonding with these characters in ways that they maybe wouldn't normally do in other video games.
1: That's that's one thing um, about From that, that, was, that I also agree. That's a very It's a very special from thing that seems like only from from can give a character just a few lines of dialogue like two or three like and pick up on that character and it's 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 a unique thing that i've kind of that i've seen from do that I just really really i I like it a lot like even with um a character who has more dialogue like eileen the crow like and you kind of get a bit more of her her character there's still like so many questions that you could if you want to like imagine for yourself and it's really i really like that that it kind of lets you kind of do the imagining after a while
0: yeah it's being able to write your own stories with that stuff is 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 kind of fascinating Um, as as an artist that wasn't normally doing like fan art and stuff what was it like starting to like did you were you tagging stuff with Dark Souls on Tumblr and like or Bloodborne and be like, oh wow, who, who are all these people? <laughs> How did they find me?
1: Yeah, the, it was the Bloodborne yeah. community
0: can be very rabid at times.
1: Oh gosh, I think it's because sometimes it's, I think it's I don't know if it's because it's kind of like a niche kind of content, so like content can be kind of rare. But uh, when it con- but I find when content does come out, it's very good. It's it's just it's very heartfelt. You can tell the artists are very passionate about what they're about the content they're making. But uh, no, I. Originally, was just trying to build my own stories and uh, my own characters until I, well, I'm gonna take a break and I'm gonna have some fun with these characters because they're not really my characters. They're uh, kind of a playground for me. So, uh, I they're like kind of like you know Legos. Like you can make your own characters. Like these characters are already set up for you, so you can kind of just build your own stories and with them. And so I started uh, making little comics and. I was surprised how well people took to them at first because um I do a lot of stuff on yes, I do a lot of stuff on Gascoigne and his family and stuff like that. And I was some controversy a lot how because I'd say he's definitely a great character. And how people are how people are like, Oh, don't you know? Like I I got some messages at first, like he killed his wife. Why are you This character? This is a, this is a bad character. And I was like, <laughs> and I was just like, Well uh that's well it's kind of like did he it's it's kind of like he killed her if you believe he killed her it's kind of like and, and if you believe that it was there was no kind of love in that relationship it's kind of like whatever you kind of believe out of it so if you're saying so i suppose that's what you believe but it's fine you can totally think that that's the way the games are supposed to be done and but this is just i'd like to try to take a lighter take on that
0: yeah, it's um, so. I that that's that's the advantage of this like work being subjective is that you can tell those stories and you can go off on your own and do whatever you, whatever really you want to. <laughs> like that's one thing that this this podcast has taught me over over the last couple of years is that like you know there are no stories that are so entrenched in truth that you can't go have fun with it in some way and that's that's what makes the games great. It doesn't take anything away from the game at all.
1: I I think so too and. Um... I just, like, I try to do the character justice. I try to stick to the basis of the character. But I also kind of think, like, well, what if something lighter happened? Or, like, what if this happened? Or so. Uh, yeah, it was interesting because I, I got a lot of, most of the feedback was positive And I kind of, and that was kind of nice. And people kind of liked what I was doing with the character. So I just kept, I kept doing it. And it was fun for me. And, it was nice and as long as they were enjoying it, I thought that was a nice touch, too.
0: Sure. Um, I know you've done some stuff with uh the Lord Run and beyond comic how How did that get in? How did you get involved with that if you if you don't mind talking uh, about it?
1: Mm-hmm. No no, it's fine. Uh, I actually t- got involved with that with um I actually reached out to uh the the writer the main writer uh, who is um Sarkai or uh, Zach or yeah
0: he's he's been on the show and, as, uh, as, he, as Zach, so people have probably um I don't know what episode number he is though let me let me go look real quick so I can just point okay, that sure, way. go ahead. Uh, episode 74 is X.
1: And uh, he's he was he's a really great guy. And uh, I kind of reached out to him and I was asking a question at first and then he responded back to me and he said, hey, I've seen some of your animated work and I've seen some of your Bloodborne comics. Would you like to do a comic for me? And I was just like, yeah, I'd totally <laughs> love to do that. I, I, Lord and Beyond is a beautiful collection of artists' works. So I'd be honored to be a part of that and uh so i did a a bloodborne comic for him on velter That's what i did and i also threw i decided to make it an animated comic because i kind of feel like well what can i bring to the table that kind of would kind of help with my standing among because there's so many amazing artists like you have um heather you have like mackhanie and heather and you have um what is uh Ah, oh, Gosh, I'm having trouble remember her name, but she does beautiful coloring works. It's like her coloring jobs are incredible. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't remember it right now. That's
0: okay. If you remember it later, just just blurt it out or I'll, I can I can okay. add a link in or something. So don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm terrible with names. I, I will forget my own name if I'm not careful. So don't don't worry about that at all. Oh, I'm sorry, but
1: uh, yeah, it just it, she does beautiful coloring works. And then, like, you have someone um, who is it, and you have Rag Timing, uh, who's done a few of them. And uh, then Vinstas, v- who's done a lot of um, watercolor traditional ones. Like, it's, it's kind of like a standing among all these amazing artists. So I was like, what can I do to kind of stand? Uh, to kind of stand among these artists, and I was like, well, I can animate kind of do animated comics and Zach was very much down for that. So uh I did uh one on Walter, and I kind of thought, okay, uh, I did this comic for him and I tried my best with it. It was a good experience and I totally didn't expect it when he contacted me again and said, Would you like to do another comic? And I just said, Yeah, I'd totally love to do another comic. This is this I'm just, I'm actually quite honored that you'd contact me back and want me to do another one. So I've been done quite a few now, and um, the one that was best received so far was the one on Grey Rat, and uh, it's got seven k I think on Tumblr, which is the which apparently Zach said is their most popular one.
0: Oh wow! Very cool.
1: It's and I thought that was that was an honor for me, and and I couldn't believe it. But um, sorry. It was the most. uh, It was the best received one. And um, I thought that was interesting because I guess a lot of people rest. A lot of people found a, it was with Grey Rat with how we, he he also has a very sad story with how he's just a simple you find this simple thief locked in a dungeon and he just wants you to deliver a ring to someone and then you find that someone is and from content deceased and um and then uh, it just kind of. He kind of deteriorates from there once you bring him this bad news. And comic that kind of ended kind of, it started hopeful and it kind of ended kind of a little bit bittersweet. And I I love bittersweet stories too. Uh, I I like things that are kind of happy and sad. Uh, uh, I think, what is it? Um, Pendleton Ward, the... Of Adventure Time said his favorite stories are the ones that are happy and sad at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I kind of agree with that. I I love bittersweet stories. So Zach has had me do a few bittersweet stories on there and it's kind of helped me when I create them because it's kind of it also kind of resonates with me as well. Uh so Grey Rat's story was a very bittersweet one and I enjoyed kind of doing a lot of the compositions and different with some of the compositions and um Quite honored, and I thought that this record resonated with so many people
0: yeah i'm actually um because i hadn't i hadn't seen that somehow i had missed it so uh, i'm I'm reading through it now as you're talking and it's it's really good work like i I love it i love this like this is great
1: thank you (laughs) but the best received and i was i was very honored that it was received well
0: what, um, you mentioned yeah. you haven't played any of the Dark Souls games, so like you you finished Bloodborne, but you haven't gone to any, Dark Souls one or three or anything like that. Like, is that something that mm-hmm. you're going to do eventually, or do you just have not had, had, just haven't had the time to do it? I
1: haven't had the time currently, but there is something I want to do. I would like to at least, I would like to play Dark Souls one, uh, two and three, just to kind of have the experience of to say that I've that I've kind of done that, I've played the game and I've experienced it, and um, but I'm also kind of worried though that it won't. That I got out of Bloodborne because I kind of liked Bloodborne's fast paced gameplay. And I've heard a lot of people say, with uh, like with people say, Demon Souls is the best, the most compared to Bloodborne. Um, but uh, they say with a lot of Dark Souls, it's just kind of like you wait and you kind of calculate your attack from there, or you have to use and you use the shield a lot, and or at least some people do, and uh, it's more of a kind of like you have to wait and decide what to do. while Bloodborne is kind of like it just like you have to decide right then. You have to kind of like you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> the rally system even kind of promotes that. You know, they're like mm-hmm. if you get hit, hit back. <laughs> and I think it's a. I kind of liked that kind of aggressive playstyle, and I liked that it was like it. Kind of like like so, my favorite boss fights in Bloodborne were the ones that like like you when you're you get you. Like, get your palms sweaty and you're like, you're barely shaking at the controller and you're so panicked. You just, like, ah, I gotta just, you have to decide things on like a minute notice.
0: It's, um, uh, uh, it, Dark Souls is definitely more, a little bit slower paced. Mm. And, um, you can, I, th- I think, if you, once you get to a certain level of the game, a certain amount of comfortableness with the game, like, you can definitely get mm-hmm. in and, like, mix it up and, and go crazy, um, similar to a Bloodborne style. But at first, okay. it's, it's really surprising, like, how, like you can even uh, like I've done this before. Like uh, you know, I'm on New Game t- Two or something, and I'm just like running through the first area. Like, oh, I'm, I'm I don't even need to worry about this. Like, I can turn my brain off, and then I'll do something wrong, and like four enemies will kill me. <laughs> like, it's one of those oh, kind of yeah, things oh, yeah. where you're like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, you have to re- you get reminded very quickly. Like, oh, whoops, <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not just the god of this game at all. Like, I actually have to be, l- l- pay attention to what I'm doing. Um, so yeah, like it's it's definitely a little slower paced. Uh, you mentioned Demon Souls. I think that. As much as you like uh, Bloodborne, the aesthetic of Demon Souls I think would really work for you. Like it's, it's that mm. kind of fantasy thing. But there's definitely some like the the area called Latria definitely has some, like some Lovecraftian vibes. And uh, the the fourth area, um, oh. which is the Shrine of Storms, is is very just spooky, <laughs> almost like Ooh, but nice. it, it takes it kind of does a dark fantasy twist as opposed to Dark Souls, which is more kind of like what I would kind of expect. Say classical fantasy like castles and stuff. Yeah. yeah.
1: That was that was what I heard someone said. If you liked Bloodborne, you'd probably like Demon Souls. And mm-hmm. So, uh, but I do want to play the Dark Souls games, and the um, the latest Dark Souls Three was the one that, like I, I like I, I like this when a when a boss gives me goosebumps. I'm kind of like I'm like oh this is I'm, it's kind of like it's a feeling that you get when um, the sound and the animation and it all comes together perfectly. And I got that twice, and I got that with Ludwig when the uh, scene change happens and just that swell of the music changes and regains its humanity for a brief second. And then I got it another time with uh, the Lady Fridae and Father Ariandel. And when they, when that kind of, when it's, when they both start fighting together and uh, the music changes and I was, and I was just like, Oh man, (laughs) that's, that's really, really great. (laughs) And, and, um, I remember somebody described, um, I've mentioned Scott Benson a few times, but, um, he's talking about, I love the way he talks about games and he was talking about dark souls three as a victory lap for all the dark souls games. He said he didn't really see it as so much as a game as a victory lap for, from, and, the Dark Souls series, so that would be kind of interesting to kind of, like, play through one and two, and then hit the victory lap, and see how it all adds up.
0: Yeah, it's, um, I would I would almost even say just skip two. Like, I like that game a lot, uh, but... Dark Souls Three is much more of a direct sequel to to Dark Souls One. They kind of just like, hey, hey, oh, everybody, okay. hey, hey everybody, forget about Dark Souls Two. That never happened because <laughs> there's there's very, very few plot points that come from it. Um, I mean some of them are there and they're and they're meaningful, but it's 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 much more of a sequel and dealing with the characters and themes from Dark Souls One than it is Dark Souls Two.
1: From what I've heard, yeah, I've heard Dark Souls Two is kinda of the one where people are like, No, 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 that's that's you that's the one that's not very good. <laughs> so so uh but I would still play it just out of like curiosity to see why it's not very good and what they did wrong and um, uh, what they did right.
0: It's 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 an it's a weird game because uh and I've, I've said this before, but like I almost wish that game had come out and called it Dragon Souls instead of Dark Souls Two, just because mm. it's you know it's so totally different from dark souls one while still being kind of a similar game that I think it would have existed. I think it would have got a more positive reception if it was standing beside dark souls one and not necessarily everybody was expecting a follow up to it. Cause um, there's mm. some really excellent ideas in there. Like there's some really interesting stuff. They, they do some cool stuff in new game plus that, I, that the rest of the games just have completely ignored. They do like, they have some interesting weapon systems that I really like um, that get kind of, shoveled <laughs> underneath the carpet again like nobody's ever gone back to that oh, stuff. No. So I um yeah, I'm, I'm I'm I I I would like to see hear more people's opinions of Dark Souls 2 because I think it's a really great game. And some of the mm. storytelling in that game, jeez. You want to talk about uh tragic stories. Ooh. <laughs> like go look up a a video on um Oh man, I just I was for some reason I was thinking Lotrek, but that's not her name. Um Oh, I can't I, I cannot
1: Oh, it's okay Boy, I, 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 yeah
0: um she, everyone knows who i'm talking oh, about she kind of like forgets herself throughout the course of the game basically um luka teal there it is luka teal oh,
1: luka uh, teal okay i've heard of her yeah, yeah all yeah. right it's,
0: it's a it's a it's a worthy look up if you want to go check that out
1: A side note that uh this might be a little special, a little trivia for you a little whiplash that Ladderer smith gilligan is voiced by the same person that voices father gascoigne that's a little whiplash for you
0: they like going back to those um voice actors because like the the solaire the solaire voice actor is the same guy that does um alfred yeah um and things like that like they like going back to those voice actors i was um i was watching ant-man and the wasp recently for the first time Mm -hmm. and uh, there was something that kind of bugged me about the, the the villain ghost in that movie and uh mm-hmm. I looked her up and she's plays uh she's the voice actress for Lord Belay uh Kieran in Dark Souls World. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, That's wow random. <laughs> so yeah. <Wow. clears throat> oh.
1: I'm sorry but you sorry you had something that you
0: want to say oh, i was just going to ask you what, what what's next like uh we're we're in kind of a, a dream spot with from software right now because
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, at the time of this recording next week derisene comes out for playstation vr and i'm extremely excited for oh, whatever okay. weird stuff they're going to do there and then as we mentioned earlier we got sekiro coming at the beginning of the next year but what what are you looking forward to like are you what if if you could whisper in miyazaki's ear and tell him to make a video game what would it be
1: oh gosh um He's already doing a really dang good job. <laughs> but um <laughs> First but, off, I'd uh, whisper thank you. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be like, thank you for bloodboard. <laughs> you made this for me. But um but uh, um I I think we mentioned before that so I'd like to see them kind of detach more from the realm of reality and even go a little bit abstract in some places because I think that I'd love to see their take on next. I think it would be it'd be just something special I think because they've already have these really they have really great foundations and really great ideas and kind of like do something more surrealistic I I think would be really really fun and I'd like to see the kind of more like take on that I think it would
0: yeah I I think that would be pretty cool like again just I want to see them get just super weird with it
1: because yeah, because I think they started that in Bloodborne, and I don't know if they're gonna kind of follow through with that in um, Shadows Die Twice. Um, but I kind of hope they do have some sort of like, just sort of like because I'm su- some, something more surrealistic or abstract to it. Like that, I don't know it's something that I like that I have seem to be drawn to in art, and I like it when it appears elsewhere because it's it's something that's kind of different.
0: Well, there's a um at the end of the the main trailer, there's a there's an enormous snake that comes out of nowhere, <laughs> like a weird mythical snake. So that yes, gives me hope I that, saw that. that that gives me hope that that game is going to have a bunch of weird stuff in it. I'm very excited about it.
1: yeah, I saw that. I thought that was I was I did see the snake, and then like he also has very um his just his views on uh just Miyazaki, uh, how the way he views the sort of like these games always have this sort of afterlife sort of or like at least like some sort of like there was a the Hunter's Dream and bloodborne and in uh dark souls there wasn't wasn't one in dark souls but there was the dark sign and that you would keep being keep coming back and that this thing would keep devouring you and um and then in the the demon souls they had something called the nexus Mm -hmm. kind of like that and i'd like to see them even go further with that as well
0: yeah it's um yeah, I want to. I want to see him do more with that stuff, uh, like the the idea of playing with the concept of like post death, and I mean, everyone always said in Dark Souls one, like the the idea of going hollow, like to the player is mm-hmm. like literally giving up on your playthrough and not playing the game anymore, which is like. Really, oh yeah,
1: that's a good, That's that's an interesting take on that.
0: Yeah, that's not mine. I don't remember who I said that who I, who I got that from, but that's definitely not my original idea. But yeah, that's the, that's kind of like thematically satisfying to me to have those kind of things real world stuff and overlap with the game stuff like that
1: and i think like even even just with like these realms that they kind of enter like with these afterlives these dream realms and i think that's why i liked the dlc a lot is that break rules like and souls there's a part in the end of demon souls where you break a seal and you kind of fall through the floor and you see this giant creature made of like trees, pieces of trees or something like that. And it's like a gaping void. It's just you could it's just there's so much cool stuff that you could do by breaking some of those rules and like that. And I'm, I'd be very excited to see them kind of do that more.
0: Yeah, I think it'd that'd be, that'd be really cool. Well, Nick, thank you very much for uh, for guesting on the podcast. I, oh, no problem. Thank really, you for having me. This has been an absolute blast, and it's been really entertaining talking to you. So I'm really thankful. No thank thank, you, thank you, you very much. Can you, you tell uh, Can you tell everybody where you can be found on the internet?
1: Uh, I can be found on my site, which is NickfooArt at weebly.com. I can be found on zero giblets at Twitter, found on Tumblr, as a foo rubbish for if you're interested in my bloodborne and sort of fan works and again if you're interested in my more original work
0: cool and I'll have links to all of that in the show notes so uh, listeners out there please Please go and check all of that stuff out. Um, I've actually, as we were recording, I was adding links to stuff that I like. Like she mentioned, the, the, the gray rat stuff. And uh, there's a Bloodborne comic about uh, Father Gascoigne that I thought was extremely cute that I added a link to. So. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Just really nice. Really, really good stuff. I like that a lot. So uh, thank you again for guesting. I really appreciate it. All
1: right. Thank you very much for having me.
0: As always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at J.G. Greer. You can find the podcast at don'tgiveupskeleton.com. That has links to all of the different ways you can support the show, whether it's Patreon or buying a t-shirt or leaving a review or just linking an episode to your friends or just listening. All of that is extremely appreciated. Thank you for the the recent iTunes, Apple podcast reviews. They were extremely nice, and uh, I really appreciate people coming out and doing that. We'll be back next week with another very special guest, and until then, remember... Don't give up, skeleton. Are good? Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. I it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. Yeah,